Hey traders, welcome to a, another episode of the Performante podcast. This is episode 21 and we're going whale watching today. In short, what we're going to be talking about in this podcast is we're going to go over a little bit of BTC news, uh, some bullish news in fact, and then we're going to be going over some institutions and individuals within the financial space who are making some pretty, pretty impactful moves to uh, create more exposure for themselves within the cryptocurrency market. We'll then talk about a little bit more into BTC. We'll talk about how there are some individuals that are investing in clean energy. And then we'll talk about some uh, companies and maybe corporate, not companies, countries that are using, I guess you could say, dirty energy to fund their mining. So first things first, uh, let's get into the BTC news and then I'll pass it over to Nathan. So first things first, we got the statistic that Bitcoin has spent nine days on top of 18,000 US dollars. This is the longest time in history. Uh, to be honest, I'm very surprised it was. It has only been nine days. It feels like we've been, uh, at least personally, staring at the chart, seeing that kind of consolidation happening between 19.4, let's call it 18.8. We did have a bit of a move to the downside, but we're still above 18K. I don't really think anyone could have seen this momentum come from where it has. Um, and within the proportion of how, or within the context of how society is perceiving Bitcoin, still not seeing the mass market interest, it feels. Yeah, definitely. Um, it seems like it's been definitely a lot longer for sure. It, it seems like we're pressing up against 20K and it's just a matter of time before we're going to squeeze, make that break and that momentum is going to kick in. And uh, I think a lot of people are going to be either very upset that they haven't invested or even really bought BTC. And, um, you know, when people that you normally don't talk to start talking to you about how to trade and buy BTC, you know, when that's when that turn occurs and uh, everyone jumps in and that's when the people who've been patient make a lot of the money. That's where yeah, all that, the fun is made. <laughs> that's the uh, iconic sell signal when grandma asks you how to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. That's when you offload the bags. So moving on to our next story, we're going to be talking about this is coming out of an Ask Me Anything or an AMA on Reddit with the finance community and Ray Dalio one of our favorite institutional investors. He is the head of Bridgewater Associates. Uh, and one of the questions asked him about his potential or his perspective on Bitcoin being an answer to the modern fiat system. Uh, and so his answer, I'll just read it out verbatim. I think that Bitcoin and some other digital currencies have over the last 10 years established themselves as interesting gold-like asset alternatives with similarities and differences to gold and other limited supply mobile storeholds of wealth. So it could serve as a diversifier to gold and other such storehold of wealth, including stock in, one por in one's portfolio to diversify among them. Not enough people do that. As far as far Bitcoin relative to gold, I have a strong preference for holding those, for holding those things which central banks are going to want to hold and exchange in value when they are trying to transact. So it still seems like he at least has that issue where he's unsure of the ease of exchange between fiat and crypto, it seems, or at least that's how I perceive it. But he does recognize Bitcoin and other digital currencies to at least be an alternative to gold-like assets. 
Which is a pretty big paradigm shift from how he's made his perspective to be known on Bitcoin in the past. Yeah, definitely. I would say that that's the last uh, threshold before someone fully agrees that BTC is a hedge against inflation and currency proliferation is that last step. Can I turn it into something that's spendable, that's usable, that is accepted within overall uh, societies around the globe? So. Um, yeah, I know that uh, Jordan Belford, when I was reading his book, and I looked at, I looked into what his opinions on crypto were, were very similar to Ray Dalio's in that he he likes the idea of blockchain and he thinks it's useful, but the uh, transition may be uh, haltered or uh, heavily regulated. So then you might not even you might not even be able to transact into the native currency. So I see this I see the the worry there for sure. So. Next thing we're going to be talking about is uh, Mr. Mike Novogratz, very influential individual within the cryptocurrency space. He's made an unbelievably bold claim, and uh, he says that 50% of his net worth is invested in crypto, and he's a billionaire. That's unbelievable. Um, in short, like it's not all in one cryptocurrency, obviously, but... In terms of the level of exposure and the level of wealth that's coming into the space, it's absolutely unbelievable. People were talking about 1% in BTC or 5% or 2%. This man's putting half his net worth and he's, and he's classified as a billionaire in net worth. So that's the level of commitment that these institutions are, are really committing to this space. So if that is what you're seeing right now with BTC still under the all-time high, still not absolutely breaking and smashing through with a lot of alts not really acting like um, kind of early and mid, especially later 2017, just it goes to show how crazy it will be when the momentum starts to kick in. Is This man is ready and it goes to show with 50% of his net worth uh, exposed into crypto. Pretty unbelievable. What are your thoughts, Nathan? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see just how quickly his net worth grows in 2021. I feel like he's going to be back on the news in terms of the rapid acceleration of his net growth. Same with MicroStrategy. Same with all these companies that are acquiring and accumulating massive amounts of crypto wealth. They're... They haven't been in that long, so their average price is relatively high. So their prospective yield at this point in time is nowhere compared if they had a bot, maybe sniped the March lows at whatever, like 4,000 USD, or if they've been accumulating in 2016 slowly, but they haven't. It seems for the most part that these large conglomerates have gotten involved in the last 12 months, 12 months being gracious, like for example, MicroStrategy, they just made their first Bitcoin purchase in March. So they've been in the game for, what is that, nine months, something like that. And they're on their way to accumulate $800 million in Bitcoin, over 80,000 Bitcoin, which is an absolutely absurd amount of money to have that kind of supply pressure exerted on the market, especially without the mass public eye focusing in and aware. We still have that institutional buying interest that we've been harping on because it's no longer a dream it seems like it's here and just kind of as a side note there was also a youtube video streamed by binance today it is a conversation between cz and michael saylor cz is the ceo and creator of binance 
one of, I mean, it is the largest crypto exchange in the world. And Michael Saylor is the CEO of MicroStrategy, the company that's been doing a lot of accumulating. It's an hour long, super interesting. I will post the link in our Discord where the AMA with Ray Dalio has also been posted for your review. I'd recommend checking both out, super interesting. And so just to keep in tune with this kind of institutional vibe we've been having so far, we got some new news from Grayscale, and they surveyed uh, their U.S. investors, basically. And they found that 50% of U.S. investors are BTC hungry. Uh, and so this was, I'm trying to see if, it was um, among respondents, investors who classify Bitcoin as a safe haven asset revolved around the ages of 35 to 44. 62% of U.S. respondents now assert that they are very familiar with Bitcoin as compared to 52% in 2019. So we are seeing that public interest shift, that kind of awareness overall change within the markets. Great to see. There isn't a comparison to 2017, but that would be the one that I'm really interested in to see if there has been that consistent year-over-year -year growth or does it just happen with the price action and market structure and the FOMO aspect to the asset. Yeah, definitely. One thing I'm reading right here, a pretty notable quote, it said that BTC investment products more or less are who are appealing to them appealed three times more after COVID compared to prior. So I, I think this is because of the currency proliferation, the money printing. People are understanding that central banks are, are really creating money from thin air. And, and it it, I don't like has been as prevalent as it has been recently with literally central banks printing money and sending it to Americans, Canadians, and, you know, individuals all over the world, wherever central banks that you're, that you're currently living in. But, um, a lot of people realized, wow, they can just print this. And I think that kind of created a shift in how we view governments and central banks, or at least it did for some people, which I think is very positive because it really sets into tune the realization that you're not actually holding sound money whenever you're holding a, a $10, $5 bill, $100 bill, whatever it is, right? When you're holding a ledger, when you're holding a boolean of gold, silver, that's sound money. And that's uh, really what we're trying to convey here for a lot of the content we produce. So kind of going off of sound money, bullishness, Wells Fargo Bitcoin briefing that they've recently had could signal a bull run. So uh, looking into the article now, Bitcoin has dropped a little bit, but uh, we do see the Norwegian crypto market analysis. Uh, what's it? Oh, here, I got it. Research. Cryptocurrency investing, at least this is the quote from Wells Fargo. Um, they published a seven page report on cryptocurrencies, digital assets, all that kind of fun stuff. And to quote them directly, cryptocurrency investing is a bit like living in the early days of the 1850s gold rush. Um, as we roll into 2021, we'll be discussing the digital asset space more, its upside and its downsides. Which is... It's interesting. Like, they're acknowledging it, they're comparing it to the gold rush in 1850. They haven't really made their official stance clear. Like, the report was pretty more analytical rather than taking an actual stance on it so i think that that clear public opinion will come eventually and right now 
it seems like they're just trying, not necessarily get involved, but at least acknowledge it for some level of like, okay, we're aware the U.S. dollar is rapidly expanding and we're looking into it, but we're a corporation, so we move at the speed of a snail. <laughs> so true. It's like uh, in this fireside chat on YouTube, they said, if a corporation is quick, they'll mention it at three months, they'll plan at six, and they'll have something done in nine months. Wow. Like, it happens at the speed of time. And for governments, and so, like, multiply it by four times, probably. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, ultimately, I feel like, at least specifically, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, these kind of larger institutions... When you read headlines like this, someone sending $166 million in Bitcoin for $1.25 in fees, that's like completely against how they want to do business and how they exchange value within the context of modern money systems. Like somebody sent 8,692 Bitcoin for 6,520 Satoshis, which is like $1.25. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Absolutely a third how well and how seamless it would be to exchange large amounts of money over blockchain. Like, nobody, nobody can censor that. Nobody can prevent it from happening. You just hit send and hope it's the right address. Pray to God. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And so, we just got another story. We've got two more before we wrap this up. Uh, Jack Dorsey's Square is committing $10 million to green energy for Bitcoin mining. It seems like the overall idea here is that they want to reduce their carbon footprint, or maybe not necessarily their carbon footprint, but the carbon fit footprint of proof-of-work mining. That seems to be the central idea. Great step forward. What do you think, Keith? Yeah, I definitely think it's a positive step forward. Uh, quoted by Jack Dorsey, he said, we believe that cryptocurrency will eventually be powered completely by clean power, eliminating its carbon footprint and driving adoption of renewables globally. So I'm completely on the same boat. Uh, we do see other major uh, individuals, not really within the space, but within the tech space. Uh, Steve Wozniak kind of doing the same thing, using proof of work, which is a little bit odd. But uh, at the end of the day, the idea of trying to use clean energy and trying to reduce the carbon footprint of mining is obviously a very positive step forward. So, um, yeah, I completely uh, agree with it. And I think that overall technology is moving in that direction with Ethereum going into proof of stake and we're, we're seeing that uh, shift occur. So I think it's a very positive thing and it's, it's, I think it's going to be more sustainable. So the last thing... Yeah. Did you have any oh, thoughts on that? Well, I was just going to say, it seems like it's a transition in the right direction in terms of like the overall feasibility and renewability of the space because people are definitely concerned about the energy demand that it exerts. Yeah, so uh, to completely flip the switch <laughs> and uh, go, the com go the opposite way, uh, is Iran becoming a Bitcoin nation? <laughs> so uh, in short... Last year, Iran legalized cryptocurrency mar mar bleh, mining and instituted heavy-handed regulations to control the practice. So they're basically heavily subsidizing the space and, and energy to miners to offset the bulk of the cost of mining cryptocurrencies. And they're basically storing BTC because they can't use USD because they've been banned uh, 
due to quote unquote powers of mass destruction or mis weapons of mass destruction. I think that's what uh, the government said in the United States. But um, yeah, pretty unbelievable. Their currency is suffering from hyperinflation and its pe people are seeking an alternative store of value. So it's kind of necessity, right? If you can't use the world reserve currency, the US dollar, what do you do? Well, you, you got to be able to find an asset that uh, you're able to transact globally and people will take. And I think that they're moving into BTC, which is absolutely mind boggling. But um, that is reality for the country. <laughs> it's uh, in some aspects, I think it's, I guess, somewhat positive because you're getting that decentralization. It's not just China and um, China and really America. And there's some other countries, but you're getting other countries trying to take more of the market share for mining, which is uh, just looking at the de decentralization aspect is, is a positive outcome. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of, it's enabling Iran to avoid the real hyperinflation that's happening by finding an alternative store of value. There is the political aspect where they are um, barred from transacting it with the U.S., but also with the U.S. dollar, the current global reserve fiat currency. Uh, it's kind of, it's just an interesting application to see some country basically subsidize their nation's Bitcoin and buy the Bitcoin off the people producing it. It's an interesting socio model to see nation mines Bitcoin and government buys it. It's got kind of like a, not necessarily a communist feel, but... A little bit. Like, something about that feels communist-y. Yeah, definitely. Like, if the Canadian government paid us to mine Bitcoin, that would be an interesting dynamic to live in. Because suddenly it's all about finding heating and cooling solutions, and you're, you go from just living in Iran, doing whatever you do, to becoming a Bitcoin miner, like, probably within a month, you know? Like, that exerts such a pressure on the people that may otherwise be marginalized because they're like if i can sell bitcoin to the government why wouldn't i yeah it's it, it creates opportunities for people who are willing to change and adapt which is i think phenomenal agreed so i think that's where we'll wrap up this episode had a lot of different institutional news come your way honestly the news that came out in the last 24 hours i was scrolling through it all today and uh it just felt like there there wasn't enough uh What's the word I'm looking for? There's too much news to pick from. Uh, but again, we're going to be posting that Ray Dalio AMA, as well as the podcast between CZ and MicroStrategy CEO in our Discord. There will be a link in the description if you do want to join, or you can just go to our website, performante.ca, and I'll pass it off to Keith to wrap it up. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for watching, listening. We really appreciate it. If you think that there could be anything that we could talk about for the next episode, drop them in the comments, DM us on Instagram. Uh, really, you know how to contact us any which way you possibly can, even on YouTube. Just want to say uh, we'll, be making a, we'll be making another video tomorrow. We are making them every day if you are not aware. And uh, just to wrap it up and make sure everyone is staying safe, Definitely, if you do have any questions about, you know, the simple workings of cryptocurrencies, if you think that this opportunity that you're seeing within your emails is like a scam or a, or a hack, 
please join our Discord and ask away. We are there to help and we are there to try to help individuals navigate the cryptosphere because there is some uh, bad people out there. So at the end of the day, we're trying to keep everyone safe, happy, and profitable. So thank you very much for listening. Until next time, have a good one.